Hey, DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that's still in contention. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget... DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Here's what you do. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code GOODMANPODCAST when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Again, bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credit. Again, the promo code is Goodman Podcast. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Boyer's Coffee, as you know, it's how I start my day. And I also continue my day with Boyer's Coffee at the Boyer's Cafe on the club level during ball games. Deb's great enough to bring me by uh, a fresh cup every day, and that's what I get, uh, that's what I use to help me get through the first part of the ball game. I love it. They're the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster. They've been brewed in Colorado since 1965. They're a proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies, and they have been for a number of years. Do as I do. I mean, yeah, you can get it at the store, which is easy, but if your life is flying around, you're on the run like so many of us, you know what? Go to BoyersCoffee.com and you'll get coffee shipped straight to your home. That's, again, how I do it. BoyersCoffee.com. So many flavors. So many consistent, great coffees. You have to give them a try. BoyersCoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Drew talks with TV colleague and friend Mark Stout about his career path in sports broadcasting, country music, rock and roll, and Mark's unique chemistry with Charlie Blackman. Well, I had to get his respect first. Charlie went to Georgia Tech. He's a bright dude. He's a great player. So you have to ask him a few questions that, you know, probe his mind. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you get podcasts and leave a comment that helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 102, and I'm going to begin with a question I get on a daily basis, usually multiple times a day. When are you guys traveling again, man? You guys uh, you guys going to go out on the road? I'm talking about our broadcast crew. And I said, well, not yet. Just uh, it's a fluid situation. Have no idea. And I, I talk to my colleagues around baseball and television, and it's, uh, you know, it's the same situation for them. At some point in time, I assume we'll get back on the road. I hope it's this year. If not this year, certainly next year. Um, a, a couple of things. One, to do your job right, you need to be around the team, need to be around the players, the coaches, the manager, and, and the opposition on a daily basis around the batting cage in the in the clubhouse so you can you know, get stories and, and be able to pass along information, hopefully some uh, interesting and funny at times anecdotes to all of you at home. That's why, you know, it's imperative that um, you're with the club. Now, things are opening up where you can be on the field at home. And so uh, I was out just the other day literally introducing myself to some guys I had never met. Michael Gibbons, who's a great guy. I'd never met him. He's been with the Rockies for, you know, basically two seasons now. They traded for him last year. Uh, Austin Gomber, terrific guy. We'll get uh, Austin on the show at uh, at some point in time, uh, and hopefully Michael as well, and introduce myself and said, hey, man, nice to meet you. You're doing a great job. But it's weird because normally you'd have seen these guys if they were new to the team in spring training and going forward. The other thing um, about being in the ballpark is, is your sight lines. We've talked about this, I'm sure, before on, on the podcast. There are things that you're limited to when you're calling it off a monitor um, at home. But it was the reality of COVID, the reality of the pandemic, and, and just like all of us, glad to be working, glad to be uh, watching sports again. And um, and that's the number one thing. So at some point, we'll get back out there. But it, it, it got me thinking because it led me to the third thing that I really enjoy about um, being in the ballpark, and that is the travel. Um, other than missing my kids' games when they were younger, and I would always try to alter my schedule so I could be there as much as 
Uh, I could. I enjoyed being in in other cities and and going out for runs, and that's my way of sightseeing and and favorite haunts, etc. So the Rockies began the week, and as we take this, it's a, it's a Wednesday evening, and they were in Seattle, a little two game set in Seattle. They lost uh, two to one, and then had an impressive five to two win behind Herman Marcus and and Trevor Story. We'll get to that uh, momentarily. Uh, and, and then it's off to Milwaukee. Well, Seattle's one of my favorite places in North America. If you've never been, go if you can. It is flat gorgeous. Oh, by the way, go in the summer. Because in the summer, a lot of cloudless days, the Cascades, you know, beyond Seattle, sitting out there. I mean, it looks like a postcard all the time. And it reminded me of my favorite commute. And I mentioned this on television the other day. My favorite commute has to be the best commute in all of the country is the folks that live on Bainbridge Island, which is a 30-minute ferry ride away from the port of Seattle. And I have several friends that live on Bainbridge Island or lived on Bainbridge Island, so I've been over there a number of times. It's unbelievable. Get up in the morning, these guys like ride their bike to the ferry in, on Bainbridge Island, get on the ferry, cup of coffee, or maybe they read the paper or whatever they do, and they're, they're looking at this beautiful scenery. There's no cars honking. There's no traffic. It's not bumper to bumper. And then you arrive 30 minutes later in the port of Seattle and you make your way to your office. And then at the end of the day, you get back on the ferry and you can decompress going back to Bainbridge Island, which is a real idyllic. When you're on the island, you don't even feel like you're on an island. It's beautiful. It's wooded, etc. But anyhow, got to be the best commute in America. So when I was seeing all these pictures of Seattle and we were calling the games from our studio, I'm like, man, I miss uh, certain cities even more than others. And and obviously the Rockies don't go to Seattle on a year in and year out basis. They did a nice job in Seattle. There were two thoughts that came out of or stories that came out of Seattle that I want to talk about. Kyle Freeland, who had really struggled, let's be honest. The first five starts, his ERA was, I don't even know what it was, eight or nine. Um, and, and it just, it looked like the guy, quite frankly, in, in 2019, that anything near the plate was hammered and he was walking some guys. He wasn't getting the swings and misses. He wasn't the same guy we saw in 2018 when he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Well, up in Seattle, we saw the 2018 version of Kyle Freeland, and and he pitched well at times last year also in 2020 in the in the shortened season. So that was great to see. There was great movement on his slider, great location with it, change speeds. He was on the edge of the, of the plate. He was down. He was getting swings and misses. Looked like a completely different guy than had taken the mound the first five. And maybe that was to be expected uh, because he had what was starting to be a great spring training interrupted by the lat injury, and he was out for a, a couple of months. And uh, it was so uh, good to see him perform well for him personally, for the club, to see that fire, that competitiveness on the mound. So that was, that was story number one that came out of the two-game set in Seattle that as a Rocky fan had to make you feel really good. Now, the other part of the positives that came out of Seattle was game two. Herman Marcus, a second straight, unbelievable outing. In fact, he's put together a number of great outings. Over his last two games, 14 innings pitched, and he's allowed three hits. Are you kidding me? I remarked after the first inning to my partner, Jeff Houston, I said, He's got no-hit stuff. There are only a couple of guys that the Rockies have had, and there's only a handful in baseball, where you can watch them in the first inning and say, oh, man, if the planets align, he could throw a no-hitter. Just looking at the stuff and the command. Well, it was evident in that first inning. The other guy, by the way, was was naturally Ubaldo Jimenez, that first, uh, that first half in 2010, and he ultimately did throw a no-hitter uh, against the Braves in April of that year. But Herman, after inning number one, I looked at Huey and we both looked at each other and said, hey, man, he can throw a no hitter. And sure enough, he retired the first 17. He's perfect uh, for two outs into the sixth inning or with two outs into the sixth inning. He gives up a fly ball home run and then a bloop single and goes eight innings, two hits, one run. He was magnificent. That was awesome again to see. And we've seen that steadiness out of Herman other than a blip or two. Um, 
when he gave up uh, you know, a bunch of runs in two outings. Other than that, he's pitched at an all-star level. The other thing that was great was Trevor Story. Crushed a ball to left, and then he crushed a ball to center field, a two-homer game for Trevor. And I know that's a slippery slope for a lot of you because you say, well, how long is he going to be a Rocky? Will he be a Rocky a month from now? Will he you know, be a Rocky beyond the uh, – the all-star break and, and beyond the trade deadline. And if he is, how wise a move is that? I can't answer it. And I don't have a feel. I'm being honest. I have no idea. It wouldn't shock me either way now if he's traded after the all-star game. And it wouldn't shock me if, if the Rockies, you know, play it out and maybe try to re-sign him. And at the very worst, they end up getting uh, a draft pick for him, a supplemental pick. Neither would surprise me. Neither scenario. But it was good to see him play like Trevor and swing the bat like Trevor. And he really, the last 10 days, has started to to look like his old self. And God knows what's going through his mind every day. Um, and, and it has to affect him, uh, the uncertainty of his future. Even though he's exceptionally well paid right now, he knows he's going to make a boatload of money, whether it's staying put or going somewhere else. So, um, it, it was fun to watch Trevor be Trevor because he's a guy that you, you root for. He's such a he's such a good kid. One other guy I want to bring up. Last week I talked about Rymel Tapia and I talked about Austin Gomber. Uh, both of those guys have had great first halves, and it's nice to see the evolution of of Rymel as a player. Well, a guy I'm going to throw in that category is Jonathan Daza. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't know him well, but he's always got a lot of energy. But when I saw him in the past, I didn't think he would be able to hit at the big league level. I know he'd hit throughout his days at the minor league level, but the big leagues is a completely different animal. And it looked to me like he was going to be a guy that would be consistently overmatched. And when he did put it in play, it was going to be, you know, a, a base hit through the right side, that sort of thing. Well, to his credit, and it's another lesson as to why you never want to put a ceiling on a young player. Let them go out and play and see what you have over a period of time. This guy's performed really well. This guy's hitting over 300. He's hit out on the road. He doesn't strike out a lot. Yes, he gets a lot of hits to right, but because he's gotten stronger. You see him drive the ball to right, right center. We've seen doubles in that direction. And if you come inside, he's quick enough to turn and pull the ball. And on occasion, I mean, he's not a power hitter, but he can hit the ball out. And he plays a very good center field. He can play the corner. He's not a blazer. He has an outstanding arm and a very accurate arm. He's a guy that's a big leaguer. And I don't know if I would have said that, if I'm being honest, a couple of years ago. I thought he was fringy. And he's a guy that's been allowed to get better, like Rymel Tapia, and he's really grown. So, you know, the old tip of the cap to Jonathan Daza. That takes us to baseballs. That's right, baseballs. That has been the story in the game, or one of the larger stories in the game, the last month or two, the tackiness of the baseball, and then uh, guys were putting substances on the baseball to increase spin rate. Baseball uh, is cracking down on that. It began this week where they're checking pitchers when they come off the mound periodically. Uh, it's been entrusted to the umpires to conduct that. They're trying not to slow the game down so they don't do it when they walk out to the mound. They're doing it when they come off during, during a commercial break. And I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the umpires. It is necessary, though, um, to ensure that the competitive playing field is somewhat level. And as I explained last week, having tackiness on the baseball so one can grip it properly is completely different from trying to enhance one's spin rate. That is trying to produce an unfair advantage. So I'm all for baseball trying to eradicate the latter portion of that. The implementation of this... Uh, you know, at times can be sloppy. Joe Girardi decided, and I guess the the managers have uh, that right, to ask to have a player checked uh, at different times. I do think there has to be a penalty, though. If a manager has, as Joe Girardi did with Max Scherzer, checked and nothing comes of it, then you lose, uh, and I'm just throwing things out there, you lose your um, ability to challenge anything on a base pass, you know, a guy out or safe, that sort of thing. 
um, for the rest of the game, or maybe the manager gets ejected and there's a fine. There has to be some sort of penalty. Um, otherwise, you're going to see a lot of gamesmanship or a manager trying to throw a pitcher like a great one, like Max Scherzer, out of his rhythm. Um, so something in that regard has to be done. Sergio Romo, you may have seen the video. I mean, he went off when he was asked to be checked after he starts like practically pulling down his pants. He's ripping off his belt and his shirt and completely enraged. And I understand he's probably ticked off because he'd given up some runs. And as a competitor, yes, you get that. However, you know going in, especially as a reliever, you're going to be checked. That's part of the deal. And so every pitcher is going through that right now. To throw a temper tantrum didn't look good. And I know, again, he was upset. He gave up runs. It just didn't look good. Be more mature about it. Now, getting back to these baseballs, why on earth in the year 2021 are we still saying, all right, the baseballs, the 12, 13 dozen baseballs have to be rubbed up, you know, 24 to, I forget what it is, you know, one to four days before uh, said game. And they're rubbed up in each clubhouse. I've seen it. I've passed, you know, some of the assistant clubhouse guys. They're in a, in a, you know, basically a big closet room with a lot of equipment and they're sitting there rubbing down baseballs. So they have a tackiness to it, and they put they used to put Mississippi mud on it. I guess the 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 mud comes from Delaware now, and this makes no sense in this day and age because there's no uniformity to it. One guy puts a little more mud on, one guy puts a little bit less. Sometimes the balls are sitting there for 24 hours. Sometimes they're there for 72 hours. There is a company evidently that has pitched Major League Baseball and is in uh, from what. You can glean from a piece I read, I believe, in USA Today that they're somewhat down the road with Major League Baseball because they have a a machine that they can install in every clubhouse where every baseball will look the same and feel the same. And I would think in 2021, we ought to be able to accomplish that. And it shouldn't be, yeah, you know what, the Cubs guys, they really rub the things down and the balls are a lot darker. So, you know, easy to see in daylight, a little tougher at nighttime. Yeah, but man, when you go to St. Louis, they kind of do a, a lighter job and the ball's not as tacky. I mean, that's crazy. Again, it's 2021. They, they have to be able to make these baseballs year in, year out, game to game, series to series, the same, whether you're in New York, Chicago, Denver, Los Angeles, anywhere else. I think we can accomplish that. Hopefully, uh, these folks that um, are pitching Major League Baseball on uh, on these machines will be able to accomplish that. Uh, so we're not watching guys come out and um, say, hey, yeah, the balls in this city work, the balls in that city are slicker, whatever the deal is. So there is uh, our weekly address, it seems like now, on the tackiness of baseballs. Hey, this week's uh, Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week is a guy I've known for a long time. We both went to Ithaca College together, as you hear in the interview with Mark Stout, though we didn't know each other very well um, at the time. Mark was one year ahead of me. But this is, I have great colleagues, man. We have a great team uh, bias, but uh, on AT&T Sportsnet, a lot of diverse personalities. And Mark Stapp brings so much to the table, whether he's hosting or he's doing sidelines. And I think you've all come to to know and uh, appreciate and love him uh, for his work on the Rockies uh, over a number of years. And I thought it'd be fun to, to have a conversation with Mark because, again, unique way of looking at the game and presenting it as well. So enjoy our, our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. It's my, uh, it's my partner, my colleague, Mark Stout. Well, you and I will always have a common bond because we're Northeast guys. You're a Jersey guy. I'm a New York guy. And we uh, matriculated, as they say, at the same school. We're, we're Ithaca College bombers. So um, we told people we didn't really know each other very well at all at, at school. You know, Drew, I went to Ithaca for, I wanted to be a radio jock. I wanted to be a boss top 40 jock. So I went to, uh, to Ithaca. It's a TV radio school. School of Communications, and I think you went for TV primarily, so I took the classes I had to. Obviously, I crossed paths with many people that each of us know, but TV wasn't my end game. My end game was I wanted to be on the radio. You wanted to be a sports broadcaster, so 
We went to the same school, but I mean, we knew of each other, but that's about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny because it, it is competitive at the school. And I know you went there initially, you were playing some soccer and, uh, and, and I was playing baseball and, you know, you know, and, you know, initially I was, you know, my whole focus was, was being a, being an athlete and the other stuff was kind of secondary. And, and it's funny how we all uh, arrive at, at, at wherever we arrived at, in different ways. Yeah, I went, um, you know, I played soccer. I was, I was a decent player in high school, you know, whatever, all county in Jersey. So I was like, Hey, you know, I, I played soccer. Um, um, I, you know, I was, 17 when i went to college i turned 18 in october i was like hey i'll 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 try out for the soccer team and i made it and then i was like i gotta get a career um and uh because soccer took up a lot of time but yeah yeah i am um, and, and in terms of baseball when i was a kid like you probably out east i was coached really well drew yeah um you know what's funny? We I had two different coaches in high school, and I had different legion coaches. And um, what what they knew then, and what people know now, it's like they're talking different languages. Agreed. And my coaching goes back to little league, um, Babe Ruth league. I thought I peaked at thirteen, which is I was thinking about this today. Um, summer of seventy six. My team from Trenton, New Jersey, wins our district, wins the South Jersey Regional, and I get to go to Claymont, Delaware, with my Babe Ruth team, thinking we're gonna, you know, if we win, if we win our regional, which is, I don't know, you know, Jersey, Delaware, New York, all that, we're gonna go to Albuquerque. I think that's where it was, and in my mind then, you know, and, and still now, even though I live in Colorado, Albuquerque might as well have been China. You know what I mean? It's so sure. far away. But I had good coaches. I was on good teams. I played competitive baseball as a kid. I didn't really get past that in high school and hold that thought for a story coming up about my my high school base. But I, but I knew that you had gone to Ithaca to potentially play baseball. Yeah, you know, I was I was recruited to play baseball and football there, and. Um, at one point I wanted to do both, but I put all my eggs in the baseball basket. As you know, they had a, you know, ridiculously good team. I mean, there were a number of guys yeah, that got, yeah, yeah. I think we had 11 guys drafted in the four or five years mark that we were in, in school there. And, you know, the early to mid eighties, um, and, you know, one guy was in the big leagues and Glenn cook and, uh, anyhow, listen, we, everybody has a, has a story and a sob story and et, et cetera, but, um, it, it was baseball always, even though you were a soccer player and a good one, I mean, was baseball always the, the sport you gravitated to in terms of interest? Interesting kind of side note. I've got a twin sister. So my mom would, uh, always try to figure out how she could get more time to herself other than having to deal with twins when I was younger. So um, she got me into baseball right away, she and my dad. My, my, my twin sister didn't really play a lot of sports. And I'll never forget, this is the story I was going to get to, um, she dropped us off at tennis lessons. So I had, this had to be, you know, I had to be seven, eight, nine. This was before nine, I was born in 62, so you can do the math. And I was like, tennis is for girls. I'm not yeah. playing tennis. I play baseball. I, you know. I played soccer, and I like football. I just never played it. But I got good at tennis. Um, so I, I, growing up as a kid, I played tennis and I played baseball. But like I said, baseball, I, I always liked team sports. And I had, and Drew, I had really good coaches in Trenton, New Jersey, and managers of baseball. So I learned the game, you know. How to cut the bases at age nine? You know, was I pitching? Was I doing? That? I played short and pitched. You know, and then I got to Babe Ruth, and I did what you know, as a small guy, like you know, I played. Where, where do you want me to play? I want to be on the team. So that's that's where I went as a kid, and I gravitated towards baseball. My father wasn't a big athlete, so so to speak, but he loved baseball, and I'll never forget. He told me his favorite player ever was Dick Allen, Richie Allen. Well, that's a great, that's a great name. Uh, that's a great name. And um, there was, you know, there are great players. You've heard my Willie Mays story because of my dad. And, 
Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the reasons you know you know um, you know how big a fan I am of 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 your work, and I just think one of the unique things that you bring is a unique way of looking at, at baseball, and I think it's one of the great things about the game of baseball. It it can bring in a lot of different people, the stat heads, if you will. Uh, the people, you know, like Dougie, who love the 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 old time history, and I know you love the history, and we all study in various ways in preparation. Like, you know, you're getting ready for the Mariners tomorrow. I'm getting ready for the Mariners as we as we uh, tape this, and Dougie's getting ready for the Mariners, and Jeff Houston and Spilly and Sully, and guess what? We, you know, there may be some cross you know research. But we all have a unique way of doing it. So I wanted to ask you, when you're preparing for a new series, what, wh- where do you go initially? What, what's going through your mind? Because you always surprise me on the air. And I'm like, damn, what? where do you come up with that? <laughs> and I always feel like you're like, I don't surprise you because we do come from the same kind of background from the East. And I, I think history first. And then I think what players do I remember from Seattle? So, um just off the top of my head, I sent out cards to get Danny Tartable's autograph. There's another great name, Danny Tartable. And then I think, like, I saw some uh, stats recently, and I saw the name Jim Presley, and I'm like, the hound dog, Seattle. What about Seattle? And then it makes me go, hey, we worked with Tracy Ringlesby, and Tracy did stuff in Seattle with Renee Laxman, who I think might have been the original manager. You know, and you just kind of connect the dots, and you get to this point, and then you say, like, you know, Kyle Seeger. He plays. What about Corey Seeger? And I've watched a number of Mariners games because, like you, I get the uh, package and I watch stuff. And I always think, I don't know, what, what, what applies to Colorado, to the Rockies, to general fans where they get it? You know, I don't want to get too far off track. And, and, you know, like Doug and I and you, we can, we can go down that wormhole where it gets a little weird. But... <laughs> Usually we bring it back to, like, something good. More with my friend and colleague Mark Stout in a moment, but uh, first this from an old-time sponsor and a great one in Ideal Home Loans. They are terrific at saving money and getting you through the process when you're purchasing a new home, when you're refinancing, or maybe it's consolidating debt. They're going to get it done for you, as they've done for me on a couple of occasions, as they've done for many of my friends, and probably a lot of you as well. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. That's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's the owner of Ideal Homes. They've been in business since 2001. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they're a local direct mortgage banker. Uh, They are so well thought of in this community, and now they've expanded down to Arizona. And the reason they're so well thought of is they do you right. So give them a call, 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team, 303-867-7000. Now back to more with Mark Stout. Do you like, do you enjoy to make, because you, you talked about it earlier, you were, you know, initially a, a rock and roll DJ, you, look, you worked in Buffalo for a good amount of time, I think you first came out, Mark, to work at KBPI, which was a great rock station um, in, in Denver, do you like to to bring those music roots, if you will, to baseball, because as we all know, and you probably know better than than certainly I do, Every athlete, it seems like, or the vast majority want to be a rock and roll star. And and a good portion of rock and roll stars want to be an athlete. So, Drew, it's what I go to first because my dad was a radio programmer. That's how I got to Ithaca to be in the uh, TV, radio, and, you know, broadcast school of communications. My father actually invented a music format. You may or may not know this. Beautiful music. All day, all night, all nice. And he syndicated it. In the 70s. Now, is that rock and roll? No, but he kind of pushed me towards the rock side. And, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like athletes, rock stars, you know, they, they, they want to be vice versa. And I go there, and sometimes there's always some parallel that works out. And I think people think that way, too. Like, what could, could I be an athlete? Could I be a rock star? Something like that. It always seems to tie in. You know, like I said, Jim Presley's the hound dog because of Elvis. And you were talking about the dude that pitched this past week from Tupelo, Mississippi, right? Right. Yeah. 
I don't, Everybody knows that, you know. Yeah, it's it, it, it's wild, and um, you know, we we think back to some of the guys that uh, have, have put a uniform on that are you know music stars. It wasn't Blake Shelton who it's um who used to play every year in spring training. Uh, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks used to play every year, right? Spring right. training. Yeah, and you know, um, Charlie Pride passed away this year. He he played in the big leagues. He was a you know country star from way back when. Right. There, there's not many like that. But Here's a quick truism about our relationship and something you taught me. Do you remember a conversation we had, oh, five, time flies, five, six years ago, and I was telling you, I think it was off air, but I was telling you, you know, I've kind of gotten into country music. I never liked country music. I was a rock and roll guy growing up. I, I mean, I like soft rock, southern rock. But, you know, we grew up with that. I remember blaring out of the towers in Ithaca, the doors, when I first got there. You know, I, I was a year after you. And and I and I said, Mark, man, I said, I, I, you know, I started listening to Luke Bryan and some of these other guys. And I said, you know, I kind of like it. You know, I'm a huge Zach Brown band fan now. And, and you said, the reason you like it is today's country is what we grew up on, you know, the kind of little more softer rock and roll. It's it's pop music. And I don't know if you remember you telling me that. And I like I felt I felt like, okay, it's validated now. I'm okay. You're right. It's a total parallel. The bands of the eighties, the Hall and Oats and the groups that, you know, it was singer songwriters and it was people that could sing and people could that could play. That's the new country of today. Some people call it bro country. I'm okay with that. I hear the songs, I hear the melody, I like it, you know, it's fun. Back, You know, rock and roll took a big turn with grunge, where it went from like, oh, it was all about, you know, I don't know, girls and, and, and drinking beer and cars and this and that, and then it was, you know, went to grunge and it was like, oh, it was about I hate myself and I want to kill myself, and what, I, I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Country music today. Call it what you will. Some people call it bro country, like Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan. I love I've gone to Luke Bryan's Crash My Playa twice in January. It is the most fun I've had at a concert ever, where it's an all-inclusive, and it's Tim and Luke and Blake and whoever and a bunch of artists, um, Dustin Lynch, who I like, et cetera. And you know what, Drew? It's, they're there for a good time. You're there for a good time. It's trying to take your mind off of every day. We all have the mundane. And I agree with you totally. I'm glad you brought that up because that's how I think about I love the new country. See, I, see then, again, I, I was like, man, I really like this. And it's like, is this a guilty pleasure? Because the country I remember was a little twangy and, and stuff when we were. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey. I don't have Western roots. I'm, you know, I can't, I can't, I live in Colorado, but I can't say that I. You know, I, I came out here in '95, and I thought it was cowboys and Indians. But you know, that's what you—that's what we said when we were kids. We lived back east. You're like Colorado. Where's that? No, but 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 it's different today with the music, and I, and I agree wholeheartedly. Hey, by the way, is that are they going to be doing it ne- next January? Because I've always said I want to go down to down to Mexico. And I, is it back on? I'm sure they are. That is something you should people should put put on their bucket list. If you like country music, it's Luke Bryan's thing, and then he goes. Who do I want to come with me? Is it Blake Shelton? Is it Florida Georgia Line? And then it goes down from there. I saw Marin Morris there when before she was big. Um, you know, Dustin Lynch always goes because he loves it. And it's it's an all-inclusive down in Cancun. You know, you take a flight from Denver, Frontier, whatever. You get down there for a couple hundred bucks. And then I'm telling you, you it's on the beach. It's an all-inclusive, so everything you can eat and drink, it's, it's a it's a home run. I got to do it. I got to do it. I hope he brings Darius Rucker down. He, he and Darius, I know, are close friends, and I'm big. How cool was Darius? How cool was his career been? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I'm an old, you know, again, Hootie and the Blowfish. I've seen them yeah. in concert a bunch. I've seen Darius Rucker. His voice, man. Um, and just to transition and, and, and have the credibility that he has and be, you know, and I'll obviously be a person of color in country music and do what he does. It's it's impressive. And yeah. but that's that's what you get when you get Darius Rucker, you know. More of Drew's conversation with Mark Stout right after this. I'm telling you about steel. 
Power Tools. S-T-I-H-L, they have over 10,000 dealers around the country. Chainsaws, blowers, trimmers, and so much more. Hey, quick story. I was out on a run uh, just the other day, and there was this enormous, and I mean enormous, dead tree that I was passing. And uh, there was a, a couple of guys who were going to take down some of the bigger branches so they didn't fall on anyone. And what do I notice? The guy's got a, an enormous, this is probably too big for your garage. You might not need this, but an enormous steel chainsaw. I don't know. Maybe you do have some big projects that you could use one that big. But they have every size, every possible tool that you could use and they're the best products out on the market steeldealers.com is where you're going to find your local dealer it's s-t-i-h-l again steel chainsaws blowers trimmers and so much more gas electric and battery powered i have a garage full of them you should as well steeldealers.com I want to tell you once again about an outstanding family law firm that I could not recommend any higher. And we know that unfortunately divorces happen and people grow apart. It's a reality. It's a difficult time in life and a difficult process to navigate. You need understanding. You need compassion coupled with outstanding legal advice and counsel. And you'll find it at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been celebrated and honored for their work and their compassion for a number of years by U.S. News and World Report. Laura Page and Mary Cox are consistently listed by them with a best lawyer distinction. So if you or someone you know needs assistance, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Once again, it's coxbakerandpage.com, a family law firm. Now back to Drew with Mark Stout. Hey, I want to I want to segue back to um, to baseball. What do you find the most fascinating aspect of of your job covering the Rockies? What what really geeks you up when you're getting ready for a pregame or a postgame or maybe an interview you're doing? What what gets you fired up? Good question. Um, sort of, kind of thinking like a player. If I can do that, which I really can't. But thinking about my baseball background and then trying to tie it in to being a fan and having those two things where, you know, you know, I didn't play baseball, but I feel like I can talk about the game well enough. And I can also bring the fan in and say, like, yeah, I, I got you. You're talking about whiff percentage. And I, you know, this this may be a basic thing, Drew, but. Do people know that with means you're swinging and missing? You know, you know. I feel like most people played little league to some point, but when you get to this level with all the stats and everything, how can I still bring it to the basic level of a fan and say, yeah, yeah, I see that pitch move, and that's unbelievably hard to hit, Jacob Degrom or whoever we're talking about on the Rockies. You know, Herman Marquez knuckle curve. Is it really a knuckle curve? Can I ask Corey about that? Can I ask Jeff about that? Can I ask Billy about that? And those guys always appease me for the most part. But I try to be the best I can of, like, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to fake not knowing baseball, as you know. Um, but but bring the fan back into, like, that's kind of some heady stuff. But bring it back to their level and let's talk about, like, yeah, that's a swing and miss pitch, you know? Well, you know what's not a swing and miss and is must-see television – the occasions where you are interviewing Charlie Blackman. It has become kind of legendary in our little family, but I think for hardcore Rockies viewers, they love when Mark Stout is interviewing Charlie Blackman because Charlie's an interesting cat and you're an interesting yep. cat and you guys have you guys have interesting chemistry. How'd that all come about? Well, I had to get his respect first. So Charlie went to Georgia Tech. He's a bright dude. He's a great player. So you have to ask him a few questions that, you know, probe his mind. And then he has to know that you kind of, you know, what's going on. It just, it started a little bit after he got into the league. And then when he became a really good player, and, you know, truth be told, I listen to you and, and whether it's George Frazier or Huey or Philly or so, I take notes every game of like what, what are the, the, the players asking 
And how can I put that into a question that the fans would like with with uh, Charlie and, and other players? But with Charlie, he's so bright. He's so smart. He always kind of, and like I said, I'll say again, he appeases me with what I say, but we just, it just kind of turns into this back and forth. And, and my questions with him have to be, and they have to be questions. And that's something I learned from Clint Hurdle early on. Don't ask me, like, you know, take me through this or like, hey, what were you thinking at that at bat? I have to be like, um, hey, last year he had a walk-off homer against the Angels, and I remember it was like, Charlie, it was like a 96-mile-an-hour, you know, fastball that you took on 3-0. Do you get the same pitch 3-1? And he said something to me like, were you watching the game? Um, you know, but I have to be particular with him, and I appreciate the way that he has responded to me. And it, and it is fun, Drew. I, you know, we, we've had a little thing going for better part of like five, six, seven years now. Well, he's unusual in that, yeah, he's a deep thinker. He's not, it's not like he's the only really bright guy in baseball. There's a lot of, you know, bright guys in, in all of sports. But he does not give you the rote answer. He does not give you the cliched answer. And he listens to your question. And he'll almost call you out on it. And and that, and that I love your banter. So then now take me through because it's kind of funny. Now, you're a single guy and and... His sister, Katie, you had a, there's a kind of a, I don't want to make it a relationship, but you know, there was, there was some fun back and forth with Charlie and then Katie. And, and that was hilarious for us. You know, we kind of felt like we were eavesdropping on, um, you know, on, on something maybe we shouldn't have been eavesdropping on. And that's the beauty of TV, right? That's, um, and that was organic to the max. He told me, uh, Katie's her name, right? I have not talked to her in years. Right. Because there was one last interview I did with her in Atlanta, and her boyfriend was there, and it did not go as well. You, I'm sure you were there for most of them, and you're, you're laughing and going like, yeah. Um, I, she, she was similar to him, where you get these responses that you don't expect, and you have to be quick on your feet. And I've... I think I'm decent with that, you know, and, and, and don't don't get me wrong. I put a lot of thought into any interview, like post-game in particular, ahead of time. So I try to have a, an intelligent question, with, especially with a guy like Charlie. But, yeah, those things just happen. I, You know, um, we did TV. We brought this up this year when Giambi hit the home runs in Philly. And you were like, interview that guy with the Flyers shirt on. I was like, Drew, this guy's been drinking since, you know, <laughs> and it's Philly, and you know you and I have to be from the East. But I love that stuff. That's that's what makes I think all of us seem personable. And you know we live. I've been here twenty five years, twenty six years coming up next month. Um, even though I'm from the East Coast, and and you and I are, we have that in our background. You know we've lived here as long as pretty much most people that have been here. Uh, you know, other than the. Colorado natives. Yeah, and I don't want to do the whole, you know, pat ourselves on the back and the mutual admiration society. And listen, we, we live in the social media universe now, and it doesn't take a, a lot to find people who don't like us and that sort of thing. And who cares? You know, that that comes with the that, right. That comes with the business. But um, I do think that one of the the cool things about our TV family is everybody brings something unique. You know, Ryan Spielborg is obviously, you know, a unique personality. Jeff Hewson um, brings, you know, a, a steadiness to night in and night out and having played. And, and Corey brings a cerebralness and the way you look at the game and, and the way Jenny, you know, looks at the game. I just, you know, we have a everybody brings something different. I think, um, you know, that's what that's what makes overall, I think, our broadcast solid because we have no control over the wins and the losses and the players out there. Um, and, uh, it's fun. And people ask, you know, do you guys all get along? I mean, it's true. We all genuinely really like each other and care about each other, which is neat. No doubt. I said that to Corey the other day, cause he's taking four days off this week. And I'm like, are you going to miss me? And he said, don't text me any questions because when I have a particular question about a swing or a something, or like how'd that pitch do that? I'll text Corey. And then, like you said, there's Huey. Last week, I'll say, like, hey, uh, I said to our pregame producer, Tony Gwynn passed away this week. We got to talk about Tony Gwynn. Here comes Huey with a photo of him and Tony Gwynn at third base. 
when he was with the Angels. And as you know, Drew, there's nothing like that that any of us have. But Huey has. And I, and I yeah. want people to understand that Jeff played 10 years in the big leagues and have experienced it all. And then there's Philly. Everybody, you know, the most lovable guy in the history of uh, of the Rockies, I kind of feel. And Jenny's on her own, but I work with Corey a lot. And uh, I ask him probably too many questions. And he'll be like, Mark, why, you know. But I want to know because I've never been on the batter's box in a big league game, and you guys have. And you're right. I think it's a good combination. Um, and the Rockies aren't, let's face it, the best team in the big leagues, and they haven't been for a while. You know, those two, those two playoff years were fantastic. Um, I'll never forget, forget Ryan Hannigan. Do you know the story? Do you know the story about me and Ryan Hannigan and the great Kin Band, the breakup song? No. What's this story? How did I miss this one? So, so in 2000, uh, what was it? 17, right? When they go to the playoffs, Ryan Hannigan is a backup catcher. And I look at the Rockies, you know, magazine that says his go-to karaoke song is Greg Kin, the breakup song from like 81, 82, right in our like wheelhouse. And I'm like, oh, uh, 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 you know, if you, and, and I go, I go, Ryan, when you guys get to the playoffs, whenever you win a game and you clinch, I'm going to sing the breakup song with you. And he's like, how do you know that? I go, I read it in a magazine. So it comes down to the next to last game, and you probably were in there, and they're pouring beer over their heads and, you know, campaigning and doing all that. And I go, Ryan, you remember you promised me we're going to sing the breakup song together. And Ryan's from Boston. He's like, I got to go bomb a beer first, and then we'll do it. And damn if he didn't do it with me. Classic. <laughs> I know. That's like one of my favorite baseball things of all time. He said it. He's a backup catcher. He's a, you know, but, uh, you know, dead blue collar down to the earth guy and, and the Rockies, you know, nobody ever expects the Rockies. To be, and they got to the playoffs. And I, I, I will never forget that day. We're going to have to break that one out soon. I know that's somewhere archived. You and Hannigan singing. It, it was fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's retired. You never know with catchers. So. Do you have a uh, Do you have a, a favorite interview all time? Other than we'll, we'll leave Charlie on its own. Do you have a favorite interview? Rocky's interview. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I've got a couple. One was Justin Morneau, who I love. Also, a very very heady guy. And a very good player for the Rockies. In fact, he won a betting title. Um, he's a big ACDC fan, so I'm going to go back to the rock and roll. And I have, I had in my life, I passed it on to him, a bunch of ACDC promotional albums. Like, these are the albums that come to the radio station, you know, to whatever. So I had, you know, Highway to Hell, Back in Black, for those about to rock, etc. And I remember it. I don't know if he went to the All-Star game. I think he did. I said, look, I will – will you do an interview with me? Because he was kind of a soft-spoken guy um, about, you know, going to the All-Star game. If I, like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm paying it forward. I'm giving you my albums from – these are original vinyl ACDC albums. And he's like, I will do it. And I have this – got to be honest with you, Drew. I have this bad, like, Tommy Bahama ACDC shirt that has, like, their album covers on it. And I did an interview with him in that shirt, and I gave him those albums, and he was like a kid. He, like, was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then my secondary one to that is there was a Cargo bobblehead day when Cargo had the Venezuelan flag on the bobblehead. You may remember that. I, I remember. I absolutely remember that. And I went to a local flag company up here in the north side, it's not in Thornton. It might be Westminster. And I was like, I'm in desperate need of a, a flag of Venezuela. And I found one, and I paid for it, and I bought it. And I actually had him, in my interview, mimic his bobblehead with the flag. And as you know, Cargo is the greatest guy ever. It was one of the, you know, coolest things I could ever do with a player. Like, here's my bobblehead. It's me with a flag. Here I am with a flag talking to Mark. You know, how do you put that in perspective? It was awesome. No, that's what I like about you, man. Also, you'll use props, and you think and you think ahead, and all of a sudden you got something going with. Uh, it's just how your brain works is, is 
um, is unique. But I do remember that interview as well that you did um, with Cargo. Obviously, the Blackman ones are legendary. Hey, Mark, um, I really appreciate it. In fact, Cargo was on a couple weeks ago on, on, on the podcast, and he was he's an impossible guy not to adore. Uh, he, oh, he's the best guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the best. But... Um, I will see you tomorrow in our studio when we're pretending we're in Seattle, right? Yeah. Yes, and we'll be we'll be watching uh Freeland and Flexen. Make sure you don't Freeland. mess those names up. Yeah. Yeah, Freeland and Flexen and Flexen is pitching uh really well and hopefully Kyle can uh can start getting things uh rolling as well. You're the best, man. I appreciate it. Uh enjoy the rest of the evening off. Anytime doing the domestic stuff, getting things done here on the off day. Thanks, Drew. Well, big shout out to, to Mark. He's uh, fun to work with. He's fun to be around. And um, I, I always come back to the word unique. He has a unique presentation. And uh, I'm glad he's uh, he's on our side. And um, he has uh, interesting questions each and every week. And I learn stuff from him. And that's that, to me, is always a good baseball broadcast or a good broadcast, period. Did you learn something you didn't know? And hopefully... Uh, when you watch our broadcast, there, there's a time or two or three maybe in the course of a game or series where you go, hey, I didn't know that. That's interesting. And for those of you that have been watching Mark a long time, I guarantee you say that on a regular basis. You're like, man, I didn't know that. That's cool. That's interesting. That's different. And that's what you get um, from Mark Stout. Hey, a big shout out to uh, another Mark, Marky, as he's known. He's the guy behind the scenes that puts this uh, this show together each and every week and uh, he's been with us from almost day one I say us because when it started with uh, with Julie Brownman and myself and he's continued on and uh, handled so much for me in terms of editing the show and giving me uh, advice and he does a, a terrific job and you hear his voice also uh, on all the ins and outs and uh, you know occasionally he'll jump on with me uh, as well and we can chat sports because he's a huge sports fan but I want to give Marky a a big thank you as he's been uh, with us from uh, almost day one. Also, my weekly reminder to uh, make sure you check out the uh, DNVR Rockies podcast. They do a marvelous job every week. That's Drew Kreisman and Patrick Lyons. They break it down each day. They also have a unique way of uh, looking at uh, the Rockies and the sport, and they cover it uh, on a daily basis, and they're kind enough to allow me to jump on with them uh, once a week, usually uh, the latter part of the week um, as we set up the weekend and kind of uh, encapsulate what has gone on over the first few days in the week, and we'll do that uh, a little bit later this week as well. That'll do it for show number 102. We appreciate you and uh, look forward to having a conversation again next week. Take care. Hey, everybody, stay well, stay safe, be good.